we can continue our study in the book of John. If you're using one of the blue chair Bibles, it's on page 894. In high school, I was involved in some of the plays and musicals during my time there. Thankfully, uh, phones with video capabilities did not exist back then, so all physical evidence is in VHS form, and so I'm safe. So, but during one of the shows, the curtain opened, and I was one of the first people on the stage when the lights came up, and my mom was at that performance. I finally convinced her to come and watch me. And as the curtain comes up and the light hit me, she blurts out with some, some volume, George. Now, that's not my name. That's not my character's name. But what it is, is my dad's name. You see, in this play in particular, I had some makeup on that was used to age me. And on top of that, I had these glasses on that were similar enough so that as the curtain raised and the light came on me, apparently I was embodying my dad in a way that I never had before. It's a fun story, and it generalizes a truth that we, we have experienced all in one shape or form of we are like our parents. Sons are like their fathers. Some of us, in physical appearance, but also, and, and probably more deeply, we tend to mimic how our parents live. We tend to act like our parents. Sons tend to act like their fathers. And you even see this in history where for the longest time up to the modern age, what you did for a job was the job you learned from your father. And so there's this general truth that we all experience in one shape or form of you are like your father. And this truth is at the center of of our passage today. This truth that you act like you follow your Father is central to what Jesus is speaking to the people. And he's speaking to them past their biology, not just that you look like or that you act like your Father because of biological things, but this idea of spiritual fatherhood. That in your character and in your activity, you act like you follow your father. So our big idea this morning in John chapter 8 is this. We show ourselves to be God's children through obedience, love, and faith. We're going to begin in verses 37 and 38 a tie-over from last week again. This chapter is a whole chapter, and we break it up for sermons because we don't want to be here for three hours, maybe two. But we're going to begin backtracking a little bit into last week by beginning 
in verse 37, and we're going to see this truth that children follow their fathers. Follow along as I read. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Now, a theme that was introduced last week that will continue on through this part of the chapter is this idea that the Jews came from Abraham. He is their ancestor. He is Father Abraham. If you want to relive some Sunday school nostalgia. But verse 38 for us in particular this morning, I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. So Jesus says, I do what my father said and what I see him do, and you follow your father. Now he doesn't say who that is, but we're getting a taste here that Jesus has a father and they have a different one. And we'll see that progress through the passage. But the big idea in this part, introducing for the rest of the passage, is this. You follow your father. And so how you look at how someone acts and how they respond to Jesus shows who their father is. So let's look at verses 39 through the first part of 41. Point number two in your outline that's in your bulletin. God's children obey God's word. Verse 39, they answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works that your father did. So Jesus has challenged them again on who their father is. And in verse 39, they make the claim again in rebuttal of him that Abraham is our father. Again, they understand metaphor and know that Jesus is not merely speaking biologically. But they, on top of this, are claiming, no, we follow our father, Abraham. One author writes, The Jews are advancing the argument by saying, in effect, that even in the moral and ethical realm, they measure up well enough to be considered descendants of Abraham. Now look at Jesus' response in verse 39. If you were Abraham's children. So he's saying, okay, you think that you are the sons and daughters of Abraham, that Abraham is your father, But if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works that Abraham did. If he's truly your father, both in a biological, but also in this spiritual, ethical way, you would copy him in what he he did. Now here's the question, what did Abraham do? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Genesis chapter 26, verse 5, this is God talking about Abraham. Genesis 26, verse 5. Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. In God's estimation of Abraham, in summing up what Abraham did, 
we see that God said, he listened to my words. So when Jesus says, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works that Abraham did, the works that Abraham did was that he listened and obeyed the voice of God. But the people don't do that. Look at verse 40. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. So if Abraham was your father, you would do what Abraham did. And the end of verse 40, this is not what Abraham did. Abraham listened to God's word, but they do not. Now look at the source of God's word in verse 40. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Jesus is saying that he is the source of God's word to the people, and instead of listening to him, which Abraham would have done, because Abraham listened to the voice of God, Jesus says, and rather than listening to me, you seek to kill me. Now, we've seen this before in the Gospel of John, this idea of Jesus knows there is a plot to have him killed, which culminates in the crucifixion at the end of John. But you see their rejection of Jesus, and so they disqualify themselves from being Abraham's children because they do not listen to God's word through Jesus. What we need to see here is that people who truly are the descendants of Abraham, an idea that Paul in the book of Romans used to talk about believers in faith, that the way that you know someone belongs to the people of God who are spiritual children of Abraham is to obey the word of God just like Abraham did. It's not enough to claim it without living it out to show that your claim is actually real. So that's what they're doing. They're making an empty claim. They're connecting themselves to Abraham, but they have no basis to do that because they reject Jesus, the one who is speaking the truth from God to them. This is true for us today. There are many people who claim to follow Jesus, but many show that there is nothing to that claim because they do not obey the Word of God. Obeying the Word of God does not make you a child of God, but being a child of God means you will obey the Word of God because that's what Abraham did. And that's what the children of Abraham, God's people, should do. After this rebuttal, the people listening to Jesus double down in this argument over who their father is. Let's start at the beginning of 41. You are doing the works your father did. Again, Jesus is saying he, he doesn't come out and say who their father is, but it's different. It's not the same as Jesus. It's not Abraham. 
But then in the middle of verse 41, they said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Now, this claim here of we were not born of sexual immorality has two possible understandings. The first one, and we get this from later on in the chapter, some of the people believe that Jesus is a Samaritan. And that comes in verse 48 of chapter 8. And they were looked down on the Jews as illegitimate. And so if they believe Jesus is a Samaritan, to call him an illegitimate child would fit with how that culture worked. There's another possibility, and I think it's the better one, that this is sort of a backhand comment to the Christmas story. Right? Mary has a miraculous birth. You don't normally have miraculous births. In fact, Mary's the only one. And so there was probably an understanding of Oh, sure, Mary, it was the Holy Spirit who came on you. <laughs> and so I think it's best to understand this. As one writer writes, it is not at all impossible that the Jews are alluding to the irregularities connected with Jesus' birth. If you're going to call into question our, who is our Father, we're going to call into question yours. It's a personal attack when you can't win the argument. <laughs> But then they make this claim that we have one Father, even God. Now remember, he's talking to a Jewish audience, so why would they claim God as Father? There are verses in the Old Testament, particularly I'll give you one from Jeremiah 31, where God identifies himself as the Father to Israel. So Jeremiah 31 says... I am a father to Israel. And so based on verses like that, the people here claim God as their father. But in verse 42, Jesus answers them. If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. So first, the people claim to be the children of Abraham, and Jesus says, well, if you were the kids of Abraham, you would obey God's word, and I speak God's word, and you don't obey me. Secondly, they double down and say, well, God is our Father. And to that, Jesus responds again with another condition. If God were your Father, then you would do what? You would love me. If you truly are God's children, you will love Jesus. And again, this is something we've seen time and time again in John, where Jesus says, you can't have a relationship with the Father without having a relationship with me. You cannot belong to God 
as one of his children if you do not love Jesus the Son. I want to take time to think through what what do we mean when we say that children of God love Jesus? I think this is something that our modern English distorts or is not, not as deep as it should be. Normally when we think of love, we think of emotions. And that is definitely one aspect of love. But sometimes I think we, we limit our love for Jesus to having warm fuzzies for Jesus. <laughs> and that's a part of it. There is an affection we should have for Jesus, but again, it's so much bigger than that. And again, speaking to a Jewish audience, I want to take you to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, where we're commanded to love God. Listen to what it says. This is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Do you see how big of a category love is? It definitely includes the emotional part of you and should include your emotions and affections but it includes your will and your strength and your energies. There's a totality of our relationship with Jesus that encompasses the emotions, the will, and the energies of a person. We don't just give lip service to our relationship with Jesus. It is all-encompassing to all we are as a person. And that is the relationship we are called to have with Jesus, a full 100% relationship with Jesus, not just the leftovers of our lives. Again, you can claim all you want to belong to God, but if you don't love Jesus with your heart, with your soul, and with all your might, then your claims are empty. And that's what he's saying to these people. Again, a people who believe they had a relationship with God. Mostly from their biology. But here we see to reject Jesus is to reject the Father. And so when they claim God is our Father, again, Jesus tears down that claim. Abraham's not your father. God is not your father. Well, then who is? Let's continue on, verse 43. We see that God's children believe the truth. Verse 43, why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. 
When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. In response to their claims of Abraham as father and of God as father, Jesus confronts them with their lack of understanding of the truth. He says, why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You cannot understand the truth. Why? Verse 44, you are of your father, the devil. Remember, you do what your father does. And they show who their father is because they do not accept the truth from Jesus. They do not believe what he says about himself and about God. They show themselves, and if your father is not God, your father is the devil. And when your father is the devil... Your will is to do your father's desires. And what are his desires? Murder and lying. Destroying life and destroying the truth. One author points out the strict contrast between Jesus and the devil where Jesus brings life and is the truth and speaks the truth, here we see the devil presented as destroying life and speaking lies. There's no truth in him. He speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And because they follow their lying father, they will not believe Jesus. Look at verses 45 to 47. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. How do you know someone is one of God's children? Hear of God. That's what that means. They hear and they believe what Jesus has said. Look what he says in verses 45 and 46. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? In verse 46, when Jesus says, which one of you convicts me of sin, the idea is saying, you can't convict me of lying. And if you can't do that, then I must be telling the truth. And if I'm telling the truth, why do you not believe me? And because they do not believe, they show who their father is because you follow your father. To reject Jesus is to reject the Father and show the only other option, that your Father is the devil. And when you follow your Father, that leads to lies and death.
Notice there are no other options. (laughs) There are two paths. And if you're not on one, you're on the other. (laughs) If God is not your father, Satan is. One path is right and good and leads to life, and the other path is full of lies and death and judgment. But you're following your father on one of those paths. couple quick points of application as we close this morning. Number one, obey God's words. This is a clear theme that runs throughout your entire Bible, and many of the heroes of faith like Abraham were known for being obedient to God's word. If you've been in adult Sunday school with us as we've gone through the book of First Chronicles, we see time and time again that it is promoted when God's people obey what he has said. Again, it doesn't make you one of God's children, but if you are a child of God, you will do what he says. Number two, love Jesus. Christianity has a relational component that few, if any, other religions have. The idea that God is loving is rarely found in any system or religion or philosophy. But in understanding this relational component, we also need to understand that it is a full-orbed, all-encompassing relationship with Jesus that demands our emotions, our wills, and our strengths and energies. There's no half relationship with Jesus. There's no loving Jesus with the leftover time from your week. Either Jesus is central or you do not love him. Number three, flee from your father the devil and his lying and murderous ways. Apart from Jesus Christ, this passage tells us that we are literally on the highway to hell. And it is clear in this passage that there are only two choices. To follow Jesus or to follow the devil. One leads to forgiveness and eternal life. The other leads to dying in our sin and eternal judgment. And so we flee from our father, the devil, through repentance of our sins. The confessing of our sins to God. And the second part is is application number four. Place your personal trust in Jesus. When we say place your personal trust, it is that commitment to Jesus in faith that we are then made children of God. You cannot be in a relationship with God outside of a faith relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the only way to the Father. And that relationship begins by repenting of your sins and placing your personal trust in Jesus Christ.
Now, for some of you, that day is today. That you've never done that before, that maybe you've even identified as a child of God. But if you're honest with yourself, your claims are pretty worthless. Today is the day to repent of that sin and place your trust in Jesus Christ. Because we show ourselves to be God's children through obedience, love, and faith. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word that we would follow you as Father. That in obedience, love, and faith, we would show ourselves to be your children. And that through repentance of sin and faith in Jesus, we would be adopted into your family from now and into eternity. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite those who are helping with communion to come forward at this time. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We've been given this ritual of communion by Jesus himself to take bread and to take grape juice to signify and proclaim the death of Jesus for us for the forgiveness of our sins, and so that we can have the hope of eternal life with him forever. And so, regularly, we as a church come together as a body to celebrate the fellowship with God we have through Jesus and our fellowship, therefore, with one another. So that as we eat the bread, we remember Christ's body broken for us. That as we drink the juice, we remember Jesus' blood shed for us because our sin the penalty of that sin needed to be paid and could only be paid through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ because this is a community meal we're going to pass out the elements and you're going to hold on to them and we're going to take them together we welcome you if you are a believer in Jesus to take communion with us even if you're not a member at this church If you're not a believer in Jesus, we just ask that you politely let the elements pass, and I'd love to talk to you about what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ.